Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. On today's episode, Jake makes top cut. Chuck loses on stream again. And we are joined by a four-time regional champion. Chuck, how are we doing today, my friend? I am doing good. Doing good. I got yeah? to play on stream again. And uh, what, I got to lose you, on stream. I got you to lose for, on stream again. You 0 for uh, 3 now? 0 for 3. Yep. Over three. Every time you'll get this. Every time I get on stream, it is bad. So I'm gonna stop playing on stream. Well, you can't always help that, but uh <laughs> yeah. maybe you'll break the 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 streak eventually. Uh, I know you've been close a couple times, so uh yeah. we'll, get, um, we'll get you there. Yeah, well the, the local place I play at just started streaming every night. So maybe if I just keep at it eventually I'll right. That I time. mean that's kind of cool because uh you'll be able to just uh get a lot of reps in that way whenever you make stream at regionals or or above you can uh not have any kind of nerves yep That's hopefully at least but you made top cut i did uh we had our local 1k uh at the volt um and ended up going in the swiss rounds uh i was 402 um ended up second place going into cut um we played it out and i my deck was running smooth all day. Uh, and then game two, like the first game, I wiped them pretty quickly, 10 minute match. And the second game, I just bricked hard. Um, and then third game, I started from behind and, you know, ultimately lost a close one. So it was kind of unfortunate that my first actual loss um, was in the cut. But, you know, overall, I feel like the deck uh, ran well. Uh, maybe a couple changes here or there, uh, but it was it was good preparation for Peoria coming up. That's good. That's good. But like you said, though, we aren't by ourselves this week. No, so. no, we're yeah, we're not by ourselves. Um, we are joined by a four-time regional champion and the champion of our of the the latest um, you know regionals at Baltimore. We've got uh, we've got uh, Piper Lapine. Hello. How are we doing today? Uh, good. How are you? Not pretty good. Um, exhausted kind of week, but I was really excited to have you on, uh, especially after your your big win. Uh, you know, your first one in Masters. So, um, mm-hmm. no, I was pretty pumped for you. Um, but for those who don't know who you are, maybe give a little bit of a rundown of you know who you are and uh, your Pokemon journey thus far. Uh, yeah, so my name is Piper. I've been playing for about 10 years, about like end of 2012-ish. Um, I won three regionals in 2015. Um, then kind of, I, I did pretty well in seniors, had a lot of like top 16 finishes like mm. in the season. Uh, last year I had the weird age up to Masters halfway through the season. And with the points carried over, I was able to uh, a top 16 and yeah nice nice um so with you said the the weird cutoff um so i'm assuming you you know covid kind of messed with that i guess a little bit yeah like i had i had about a thousand points and then uh over covid we uh the seniors got aged up or some of the seniors got aged up and i was one of those Mm -hmm. so you got to keep all your points then from from, yeah that's that's well i guess that's pretty helpful then (laughs) (laughs) yeah they put me at like 12th or something, and then I had a couple good finishes at regionals and internats. 
uh, which let me keep the top 16 spot. Very cool. Nice. And did you get to go to Worlds then too? Yeah, I got the 5K stipend, which was very nice. Oh, geez, that's awesome. Uh, how was your your world uh, your world's experience then uh, in in London right after the you know the pandemic um, or um, in the pandemic season? <laughs> yeah, Worlds was really fun. Uh, I got to see a lot of friends and hang out uh, for the week before. Uh, my world's run was okay. Uh, I ended up bubbling top thirty two. My five two one. My two ties and or my two losses and tie were pretty unlucky. Uh, I hit the arc. Desi Peak Joel and I was playing in Talion Box. So that's just a really right. awkward matchup. Right. And then I had some really bad prizing in the ties, the tie and loss against Palkias. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, sometimes those those prizes can make a difference. Um, but still heck of a run um making cut there. Um in in you know getting that 5k uh siphon pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a good good first start into Masters then, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish my Masters start was as good as yours. <laughs> um, but before we get too ahead of ourselves, we get uh, this is the first time you've been on the cast. We usually have some standard questions just to get to know you a little bit more too. Um, so we should probably go into those, right? Right, yeah. yeah Chuck, start us off. So uh, a first one is usually uh, either the hardest sometimes or a softball. Uh, but uh, what is your favorite Pokemon? Uh, Gudra or Morpeko. Okay. That Any is... particular reasons? Um, I don't know. I just really like Morpeko when I saw it. Uh, the hangry mode is just very funny. Right. Um, I, I just have always liked Gumi since I saw it and the line. I think I like Gudra the most. Nice. Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of funny that you, you know, Morpeko... Um, is one of your favorites. I think we're, we're, we have a little bit of, the, or a little bit to talk about uh, with uh, Baltimore with that more Pico deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before, yeah. yeah, but before we get side tra- t- uh, tangent, we'll go into that later. Let's, uh, let's jump on to the next. And uh, what is your favorite Pokemon card? Um, I think Landorus EX. Okay. Uh, I won two regionals with that in juniors. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just had good success with the card. Uh, played it a lot. Mm-hmm. So for those that are ignorant, maybe, uh, forgive me, I don't know what Landorus does. Oh, yeah. Before my time. So uh, what what exactly did Landorus do? Yeah, so for Fighting Energy, it did 30 to the active and 30 bench snipe. So in 2015, mm-hmm. that was played with like the Crobats, where when you played them, you put two damage and then three damage on your opponent's board. Um, so you played that with like Karina's and super scoop ups. So you just place a bunch of damage on your board on your opponent's board. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of just like overwhelm them. And then it also had the big attack for fighting, fighting colorless, uh, 80, you can discard all fightings from it and it does another 70 so that you could blow up your opponent's board. And then with like yeah. strong energies and stuff and muscle bands, you could really just build up that 50 damage, like, or the 30 damage, like 50, 70, 90, if you have two strongs, etc. Wow. Nice. And, and yeah, that, that was a lot of damage back there. So yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that I, I can see why that's your favorite card. Yeah. That's a cool, cool bit of work there with that, that kind of setup in that time, time era. So, um, but to move on to the next question, um, what is, we'll, we'll take that question of favorite and we'll put it on the inverse. What is your 
least favorite or most hated Pokemon card? Oh, um, I don't know. I think ADP is up there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, pretty basic answer, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it is, but it, it, it you're is not basic. the first uh, to say that because it, it was just so like, yeah, yeah, like it just, it, it messed with the meta so much and you really couldn't play a lot of different decks because of that one archetype. So yeah, like I was so fine with it up until Sword and Shield release. Like Cosmic Eclipse was a great format when it was just the Caldeo, but then it got Station. Mm-hmm. That was just so stupid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I hear. Cause that's kind of right around the time that Chuck and I got into the game. Um, so we didn't really experience ADP uh before the Z. Um yeah. but from what I heard, yeah, what it was it was good, but it wasn't meta defining. Mm-hmm. But cool. Uh, so going on from Pokemon cards and Pokemon, um, what is your best Pokemon TCG memory uh, to date? Um, uh, probably winning uh, my first regionals in 2015 with uh, Size Slurpuff because I mm-hmm. like that was back when regionals uh, there were multiple on each weekend, so it was just going to be like people that were like uh, closer that were going to like drive. They're not flying across the country. So, like, right. I played a bunch of friends throughout the tournament, uh, which is always pretty enjoyable. And it was, like, my first regional win, my first big win, which always felt pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, you say, like, a bunch of friends there. So it wasn't quite to the level it was now. It, it kind of feels like, at least the way you described it, is kind of like like a 1K or, you know, something locally. Um, still kind of a big tournament. And you get to, you know, potentially hit your friends a bunch of times. Um, and then And then potentially even, like work together and like see who's playing what and you know try to get cut and, and go go from there yeah yeah because there was no cash prizing at the time so it wasn't like as serious as it is now uh it was only like 50-ish people mm-hmm. but yeah that's so still cool. that's still really awesome yeah all right um do you i mean ask the the cool new question uh we just thought of a a cool new question we we're going to add to our standard questions and you're so, the first person. And you're the first person <laughs> to get this. Um, so if uh, we could say, I'll, I'll pose this scenario. If if Pokemon started adding walk-up music to the stream table, what would be your song when they're bringing you on the stream? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to look <laughs> at my playlist and just pick <laughs> on from there. <laughs> So um, Piper's coming to stage. What is every what what is going to be your tune that everyone knows that hears? They're like, oh, it's Piper on stream now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess like some like anime music would be pretty cool because there's some yeah. really good ones out there. I don't. I can't think of a specific one off the top of my head. Yeah, no, no, so I, I agree. That, that is a very hard question to answer. I think, yeah. <laughs> especially off the top of your head. But uh, anime music does have some pretty cool. Uh, intros and things and things just that uh will can amp you up for some stuff so um no i agree with that that's cool all right well that is it for our standard questions so we right. can kind of start breaking some things down for it or where do you want to go from here let's Jake? let's uh let's let's start talking about some uh a recap of baltimore uh piper's run yeah. what she saw what how yeah. her deck performed and all that kind of stuff so yeah so well, yeah, we'll just start in with uh, Baltimore and give a little bit of, we'll get, start getting some background on that. Um, but I wanted to know, um, personally, like you, we all know, 
Uh, you played Inteleon with the Radiant Charizard. Mm -hmm. uh, I just was going to ask why. Why that deck choice? Oh, uh, I had I have a lot of fun playing one prize Inteleon box stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't have a whole lot of time to test. I played the uh, Inteleon box, as I mentioned earlier, to Worlds. So it was just kind of what I had the most practice with, like um, that I had the most, like it's the deck I thought the most about playing. I didn't test a whole lot with that list specifically, but like um, I had like the sequencing in my head and like the matchup routing and prize mapping yeah. thought out. Yeah, so what matchups did you kind of expect to see that um, led you to like, I don't know, be familiar with that choices? Yeah, I was expecting um, like five-ish Palkias, uh, four, three to four Mews, and then like two to three Flying Peaks, and then the rest I could be a variety, a variety of things, uh, yeah. like maybe a Reggie's or a Mirror or something, or a uh, tank Soul. I don't know. Like there, there's just a lot that could have it could have been. Um, but yeah, and I'm like I'm pretty as long as Palky is not playing like Marnie and Cologne. I'm feeling pretty good in that matchup. Yeah, good. yeah I can imagine, like, because uh, I, I ended up playing against a couple uh, uh, similar decks as yours. Uh, I don't know if the 60 was there, and I, I was playing the Flying Peak. Um, and it felt like a pretty 50-50 match, just depending on, like, board state. Um, and, and Marnies were huge for me because I, I went one and one against it. Um, the, in the matches I won, there was, you know, some key Marnies and, and Roxanne's to kind of put them off course. Um, and then the one that I lost, uh, you know, the, I Marnied them into a better hand or whatnot. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it, you kind of live by the Marnie or die by the Marnie, I guess there. That, that's definitely how that matchup goes. It's like, uh, that's the big reason I play like double Mew, just so I had the better odds of um, getting out of those Marnies. Because that's like the... It's not that the deck loses to the Pikachu. That's totally fine. It's that it loses right. to like the Quad Marnie, Palpad, Roxanne, etc. Right. Um, and the other thing about Double Mew, just since I'm talking about it, um, the reason I played that over Snorlax is because Quickball is like your most valuable resource. Mm -hmm. um, and Quickballing for Snorlax feels really awful, especially if you prize a Quickball and you need to like Quickball for Zard, then Rod Quickball Zard again. You're not able to do that. So instead of playing like an extra spot for fourth quickball, just cutting Snorlax for second Mew is better. Also, Mew's just like insane. It's such oh, a yeah. good starter. Oh yeah, it's 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 a great starter. It's a great pivoter. Um, yeah, and like you can get the Snorlax, and I know it is a very valuable card, but like sometimes like they'll, you'll just Gormandize, get your cards, and then you just get Marnied anyway, so it doesn't even yeah. really matter. So um, I I can see you know a lot of value in that Mew. I, I'm a huge fan of Celebrations Mew myself. For sure. Um, well, to to get back on not to uh, get back on the, the run from uh, Baltimore and your matchups and everything, is there any kind of like big highlights from your run? I don't want to make you go over the whole thing, um, <laughs> but just kind of if you have any kind of like cool highlights in your run or things that were were fun and exciting that you'd like to share from it. Um... The stream games were pretty fun. It was nice because I had not won on stream up until that point, and now my record is technically even. Well, uh, I'm, still, I'm cool. still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you um, have any advice for Chuck on how to win on stream? <laughs> no, I got very lucky in my two Reggie matchups. Um, and I don't know, my friends did pretty well too, which is cool. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, being able to share and success with your your friends slash teammates, um, regardless of how you do, it's always it's always great. So I think that's one really 
appealing part of the game of Pokemon for me. Um, obviously, we want individual success, but um, having you know your group of people, um, you know, lifting them up as well is is just as satisfying, at least in my eyes. Yeah. Um, so, so how did you do a, a, um, in Swiss rounds? Like, wh- where were you sitting after or going into day two? Yeah, I was eight one going into day two, um, which was really good. Uh, yes. I started off five zero, then I hit uh, Zach Lasage playing Palkia with Color and Marnie. Uh, mm-hmm. I prized all my fire energies game one, so I had to play super suboptimally. Then game two, I just didn't hit the stuff off I needed off of Marty Roxanne. Um, and then I was able to win the last three after that. I hit a Palkia that didn't play Cologne or Marnie. And then I hit two of the Fusionless Mews, which is such a good matchup. Yeah. I won 12-0 individual games against the Fusionless Mew all weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's crazy. That's, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great run. Um I I'm envious because I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get to that point, but uh, uh, we'll get there. Uh, but going into cut, uh, I know um, we were talking about more Pico. I know there were, there was a situation there where you kind of um, you intentionally scooped to them to, to help yeah. them out. Um, how did that go down and what was your decision-making process during that situation? Yeah. So there were two things. Um, I offered the ID. They didn't accept it. I'm like, what are you, what are you playing? And they said the Meltank stuff. And I'm like, you know, that seems like a good matchup. I'd rather you being cut than not. Uh, so mm. uh, I scooped to them uh, partially because it's a good matchup, but also I had just bought pizza. Then pairings went up and I was really hungry. There we uh, go. So, so um, was it the stomach yeah. or was it the matchup? What, what took um, uh, it, you know, it the was majority? a bit of both. Okay. Um, I, I'd rather it being cut so that because I was guaranteed cut at that point. Right. So it's like if I scoop, it's fine. I want the good matchup and cut so that I have a higher chance of getting top four finals and winning the whole thing. Right. Right. And did you end up playing? You ended up playing against them uh, yes, in, the, in I, the cut, right? I played them in top in top eight, and I think I had two of them in around twenty-ish minutes. Like yeah. I got turn two in Talion attack or turn two or three in Talion attack both games. And there's just not much they can do because I have switchers, escape ropes, right. uh, so many outs to recovering energy. Like it's just very difficult for them to deal with it. Right. Yeah. So ultimately, I guess uh, it just worked out so you can get the, you know, the food to get the focus and then uh, just yeah, a good yeah. matchup and then you hit them. So that's, that's awesome. Um, it, you know, it's the, the gamemanship and the decision-making and, you know, in a, in a tournament like this, um, can't be understated so i think that was a key move on your part i guess yeah that's cool um so uh we'll just kind of like we we get to follow along with the 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 run to the finals but we'll just kind of jump to the finals how was that finals match for you like how did it it go obviously went well but yeah yeah uh, um i don't know so game one was feeling really weird they're doing the uh or a choreo thing and then they just scoop they because they had to burn like all their switchers and like one or two bosses turn between the first two turns mm-hmm. um i i don't know i think it might have been a bit premature of a scoop but maybe they're just trying to save time i think that game only was like 20 minutes because we were able to ask the judges how much time we had left and I, if i remember it was about 20 minutes so i was definitely surprised of the game one scoop and then game two uh, i was able to draw out of like one of the last marnie's um, and escape rope actually just saved me the game there because they didn't have the second UV max on the bench. Uh, I do think finals, I definitely could have lost that. Uh, if I, I think there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong in finals, but luckily did not. Yeah. No, I mean, it was well played on both ends. And, uh, you know, 
I'm really happy for you that you got to to do that, especially on your first, um, you know, tournament uh, regionals with you know the 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 seniors. So um, that was a heck of a run. Um, really, um, like I said, um, congratulations, and <laughs> hopefully we'll we'll continue to see you up there. I'm sure we will. Um, but continued success. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats on that. And to to kind of move on for like post uh uh Baltimore um do you do you still see your deck choice of that that Intellion box with Zard being usable into our new Lost Origin meta? No, I think there's a lot of issues. Um the big ones are going to be Mew playing Lost City, so one of your best matchups turns into very awkward. Like mm -hmm. you could play like a Drapion. You probably need to play two Drapions uh for that to like still be a good matchup. Um, right. but even then, like at that point, you're just asking to start it, which just feels so bad against Palkia and other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then the other issue is like Lhasa and stuff, especially when they're playing like Greninja Cologne. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think like Alex Schmansky yesterday in the Limitless thing, he played four Colognes in his list. He didn't play, I don't think he played Greninja, but like if you're playing Greninja with that too, that just sounds like a disgusting combination. Um, and then there's also Sableye, like your big advantage is having like a Sobble and a Drizzile in play to go um, like Intellion Shady Deals, Drizzile Shady Deals, but they can just kill two of your Sobbles on the bench, which just really destroys your setup and you right. can't really find those pieces that you need. And they can just out-trade you a lot of the times because they're getting like the turn one attack pretty consistently. Right. I, I kind of agree. And you, and you kind of said at the start, at least, um, and I kind of was going to ask you this or, or later, uh, but Lost City, um, definitely, I feel like it can definitely hurt uh, any of these, um, you know, radiant Pokemon and knock them out, putting them in uh, into that Lost Zone. Um, do you do you feel that you're going to see a lot of people tech Lost City in, in, in their decks, at least in the early meta? Because, um, you know, obviously very light testing and, and very early in the meta. I haven't really seen a lot of people play that. Um, and I think it, it's kind of, they should be, I think, I guess. Yeah, uh, right. But I haven't seen it a lot. I think it's only, I think it's a really uh, strong card. Um, but I think the big thing that's really good in is Mew. Like, you turn two of your worst matchups, Radiance Art and Reggie's into like a free matchup. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that Mew can do that's really powerful against like Tita and stuff is just like, turn two lost seeding their uh greninja like that can just destroy their consistency engine um like that's how i've been able to pretty consistently beat tina with um you and our testing right it makes sense like yes yeah, so, like if you don't have the greninja to draw in or draw into cards uh you're really kind of at a disadvantage um not to mention just that the, the sure, chip yeah. damage it can do um but uh going from there i guess I wanted to ask some of your impressions on some of the new deck archetypes overall. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do, you kind of mentioned Tina's right now. So I want to start with uh, Garatina. Um, do you think that that's going to be a, you know, a, a pretty like a S tier kind of deck? And if so, you know, what archetype? Because there are a few different archetypes that I've seen out there so far. Yeah, I think uh, the Garatina is very good. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, like, S tier yet. I don't think we've had anything like I think it's pretty safe to put in like top of A tier, like very low S tier. Mm -hmm. Um, with like Palkia being the other S tier deck. Um, because like it's done well at events. It did really well at the three thousand person champions league. Uh right. 
I think it won that. And I really like that list, I believe. It had like that kind of mix where it was able to go. It was thin enough Giratina where you're not starting it super often, but like yeah. a thick enough Lost Zone Pokemon that you're able to go like full one prizes against the one prize or mirror. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, so it was able to beat it in finals. So you're you're a fan, at least with uh, Garatina, is the Lost Box engine over Arceus. Because I've seen people play the Arceus, yeah. and I, I personally don't like that that version. It just seems a little bit clunky, and like I think that's the Lost Zone's quicker than like um, Arceus in general. Yeah. So Arceus is going to, like, what I found is Arceus is going to help you find, like, all the missing pieces you're going to need a lot of the time, uh, whereas, like, a lot, the issue with the Lost Zone is sometimes you're putting those important cards uh, away early in the game, mm-hmm. but you also lose the power of the Beastar uh, uh, on Giratina, which makes your Kira matchup, like, so awful. Uh, like, right. you have the Halucha belt, but if they, like, if you're also trying to Marty path everything, so if you play down path, like, it just gets super awkward very quickly against Kira which yeah. is another strong contender. Right, um, that's that's I, the next one I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I also think that, like, you're not doing great against the other Giratina decks because they can just, like, V-star you and, like, have more efficient attacks. Right, I I, I agree. Um, and then, yeah, just, you might not be taking those big one-shots, but you're setting up damage um, and setting up, you know, multi-prize turns. Um, yeah. So the, the, the Lost Box variant, I think, is really, really good so far. For sure. Before we jump off Lost Box um, into the you know, Palkia, um, in Polion, do you feel that that is a viable, um, you know, counter to Lost Box or really any you know like single prize basic Pokemon um, in this meta? I because a lot of people I've seen on Twitter, oh, just put Empoleon in the deck and you know, problem solved. Um, quad Empoleon. Yeah, Quad Empoleon. <laughs> I have my opinions on it, but I, I want to hear what you think first. Yeah, I don't think the single Empoleon is consistent enough because you have to like start it and no and only other netable Pokemon, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of awkward. However, I think double Empoleon and like uh is actually pretty good. Uh it works very well because they can't rope around it, they have to boss. And if mm-hmm. they're bossing, they're not chorusing or they're not thornting, whatever. Um, and I think double Empoleon is like fine and cure them and stuff. Because um, right. I saw super like Reggie's and stuff. I don't know. Now, do you feel that um, now? Obviously, um, Empoleon is most effective, I think, at the start of the game um, if yeah. you start it. Uh, but do you feel that double Empoleon may make the deck uh, like a, a deck weaker um, going into all the other matchups that are potentially meta? Uh, because see a lot of the meta share. Um, I don't. I think it depends on the deck. I think if you're playing something like Ports, Pocky, B Barrel from Baltimore with mm. Double Empoleon, it's very good because even if you hit all the other stuff, you have like the four Quick Ball, four Ultra Balls to just discard them and thin them out. Even with Kiram, uh, you can always, like, if you already have the Glaciated World stuff, you can just, uh, if you already have all the energies attached, you can just uh, gear t- them on top of the Glaciated World to thin them out, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. So I don't think it's that big of a harm to consistency especially if you're playing four battle pass like right i I don't know i think four battle pass is very good but if you're worried about dead cards just don't play four battle pass no i agree with that um yeah i mean time to tell i i think i have a few answers like potential answers i i don't know um if if empoleon's rampant if you really want to play lost box i i I feel like Path of the Peak still is a relevant card just to shut him mm. off and them go- them keep going. 
Um, and I definitely seen a lot of that this weekend at the one K I was in, um, where they tried to shut me off with Empoleon and I just put the path down after a Colrus. Um, and then I was off doing my own thing. Um, and then, you know, just setting up chip damage for knockout, obviously digging for that, that path is not necessarily the easiest thing in those situations, but you know, uh, there is give and take, I guess. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Palkia Kiram or just straight Palkia. I've seen some people go back to straight Palkia. What what do you think is the best uh, version of that kind of archetype? Uh, they all feel pretty good. Like they all have their own kind of strengths. Like uh, with Palkia and Talion, you're able to search whatever you need out, uh, like whenever you need it, um, which is really good. Roxanne Path is always very good. Uh, Marnie and Roxanne has been very good against the Lost Zone stuff and testing. Um, Whereas Giratina, you do have blow-up potential, which is always very good to have. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I th both have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, they can win against one another. I think Palki and Talion should be playing Thornton. Otherwise, you can't really beat the Kiram. Right. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, Thornton. Thornton's another one of those cards that uh, um, I've not seen a lot of people play yet. Uh, yeah. But in, in my early testing... I again going back to the one kick because that's the only uh testing I've had. Um, it, it won me three individual games late game, just pulling out the either the sable eye or the the cramorant, and then uh you know taking the winning the winning shot there at the end, which was uh a pretty good card there. For sure. Um, and then the last one I had a question on, and I've seen it pop up, and I, I don't know how I feel about it in its complete viability in the map right now, is but the 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 Zorark. Um, how do you feel that that, that deck's going to kind of take off? Uh, I have not tested it, but I think in theory, it's just, I don't think it can reliably uh, beat one prize or loss zone. I think mm -hmm. it might, I don't think I could beat Giratina if they play Thornton, or if they, or if Giratina goes first and gets double Tina down. I think, I think it's just like a go first and hope you don't hit one prize or his deck. I would tend to agree. Um, again, uh, it just struggles with one prizers um, in general, especially ones that can take big shots on them. Um, so I think it might be like a B tier, maybe, you know, mid B tier kind of deck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it might be one of those decks that just can ruin your day if it comes out and comes hot, mm -hmm. um, ready to go, but then uh, it'll struggle against certain other things in the meta. Yeah, it seems like the kind of thing that if Palkia starts like, or Palkia or Muse start to dominate again, uh, it could definitely like sneak up and just like make a surprise appearance and top it. It's like if you hit the right matchups, I think it could definitely top eight. Uh, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see a couple in day two. It is like a 1K person event in Peoria, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be like as significant as Giratina. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and then Mew, I, we kind of just alluded to it there. Um, you know, a lot of people say it's dead. Uh, a lot of people don't. Um, where do you find that Mew kind of fits in, in this meta net right now? Um, Mew is very good. Uh, I think I think you have to play the Fusion Energy version just because, like, I, I, Drapion's just so scary for the Pokey stop. Um, I think you have to play Marnie uh, because it's just, like, being able to kill the Greninja and Lost Zone in early game and then Marnie late game uh, just really helps against the Tina matchup. And you need to have the Bellowetta version so that uh, they can't just, like, if they, I don't know, like, 
if they go the first Raytheon, you don't want them to have like the second one. Obviously, you can loss out it with the view, but that's still kind of like, uh, like not it's not putting you in a great position either because they could play a second one. You could whip the loss zone or the lost city to loss zone it. Right. Um, also, fusion just gives you a lot of early game tempo and a lot of early game cheese against against stuff. Like I've been able to hit the turn one. Uh, like you need so little hit the turn one knockout because you can just like you don't even need the mellowetti. You can just psychically be comfy, and that can just get you super high on the prizes. Yeah. yeah, very true. Very true. So your thinking is Mew needs to just kind of leverage that early game speed now because it needs to stay ahead in the prize races because that Drapion yeah. might come out of nowhere. Yeah, kind of thing. especially with the V Star Power uh Star Requiem, yeah. Yeah. I mean it, it's it's still probably in a really good space, like you said, with that, that early game tempo, and it probably made it a little easier with seeing so many baby Pokemon out there to, you know, take knockout with, yeah. uh, with psychic leak, like you said. So um, if anything, I think, yeah, Mew, Mew might not be top dog, but it definitely still needs to be respected um, for sure. Going into any yeah. tournament. <laughs> for sure. Um, I think Mew's yeah. so, so sorry again. I think Mew's success is really just dependent on how people respect it. Like if people are putting Drapion in their uh, Giratina, it's not going to do well. Uh, mm -hmm. People aren't putting Drapion in their Giratina. It, I wouldn't be surprised to see like one to two in top eight. Yeah. Right. Well, without Drapion, do, how do you think that matchup is? Is it 50 50? Do you think it's still favored in the Lost, uh, the lost Box um, kind of deck? In my testing with Marnie in the Mew list, it's like 55 45 to 60 40 in Mew's favor. Okay. Uh, I'm also playing two of the Lost Cities, so I'm able to find it like. The game plan has usually been target the Greninja and Marty late game, and they usually cannot pull off the Thornton Star Requiem play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that Thornton Star Requiem play is is scary, but it definitely without yeah. Greninja, uh, you're just like really killing that uh, the consistency to try to get that out. For sure. And I guess the, the last deck I wanted to talk about, I guess, um, and Chaka, you can add it in after this, um, but uh, just Arceus, uh, Pikachu, or you know. Uh, with with um decidueye or any kind of variant um do you think RCS and friends yeah rcs and friends or adp 2.0 whatever you want to call it um do you still think that that uh archetype or like an rcs archetype overall um we'll see you know any kind of success in this meta um marty path has been very good against garatina and testing is like the big thing we found i think just marty path deck, like four marty four path decks are always going to be pretty good no matter what um, I don't know if like the Pikachu or Decidueye are the best uh, mm -hmm. side attackers to go with it. I think like something that has more like one shot potential, like Agron, is going to be much better uh, because if you're doing two shots, you're just going to lose to Giratina because um, they can just like out trade you otherwise. Right. Yeah. I ended up actually, uh, Agron was a deck that actually knocked me out of cut contention uh, at, at Baltimore. Um, definitely a sleeper. Um, uh, a sleeper deck overall, where I don't see yeah. a lot of people seeing a, a lot of love for it. But it, <laughs> when it goes off, it, it can just do its thing and and ruin a day. <laughs> for sure. I, I, you've went over every deck I need. So, do you have any more to? No, I think I think we got a pretty good rundown of um, you know, where we are in the meta. I mean, I I feel. Piper has a really good, you know, finger on the pulse of where we're at. And I, I agree with 
you know, at least 99% of whatever she said there. So um, with that being said, let's uh, jump into our fun portion of the podcast um, and do some trivia. It's time time for trivia, trivia. trivia. Yeah, the the game show portion. Game show. (laughs) Right. So um, just so you know, Piper, we uh, we both, Chuck and I both will have a trivia question. Um, and then when I ask, both of you are trying to guess, and and when Chuck asks, and it's both myself and and you, uh, we can kind of work off each other. Um, okay. I'll start it off. Um, sometimes these are really really easy. Sometimes they're difficult. Um, <laughs> but I have um, a Pokemon that I play, uh, or a, a game I play is guess this Pokemon this attack and or ability belongs to. And it's always standard legal. Um, so today's Pokemon this ability belongs to is puppet offering uh do i get like stage set etc or anything or um if you can can just ability for now if you guys okay if you if you need a a lifeline we we could uh we can go there so puppet offering i'd imagine is the net uh but because puppet's not gonna have an ability what other pokemon are like puppety uh, that, that would that was my first guess too. I think I think it's like because I can think of like three bonnets with abilities and or two or three with bonnets with abilities and standard. Right. Well, the Lawson one and then there's the Devolution one. Like, uh, I think I'm gonna go with bonnet. I don't know. Yep, I, you're you you nailed it on the head right there. <laughs> it is the new bonnet, the Lawson bonnet, uh, pupper offering once during your turn. You may uh, put a supporter. Um, from your discard pile into your hand. If you do, put this Pokemon uh, in the Lost Zone. Discard all cards attached. Um, so, you know, a card that we still haven't seen, but there yeah. you know, potentially is a lot of viability to it. Um, and I, I like my Bennett cards. Uh, the the, the <laughs> Evolution one was a card at one point for guess this yeah. Pokemon, um, which I still think that one may see some viability if, if Gudra maybe sees a lot of play, potentially. I don't know. I mean, I like the Xander Prose Tiagolus with the Bonnet. I really like that a lot. Um, also, you could play, like, in the Law Sandbox, if you're playing the Greninja instead of the Charizard, you could play, like, a Bonnet split. So you have the Law Sand one to just get a boss or, your t- or uh, a chorus from the discard, and then you can just de-evolve uh, Greninja, Snipe, kind of just, like, body their board. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, the card will potentially potentially has some viability. I can't, you know, I can't wait to see what people come up with. Yeah. Cool. Well, you you got that real quick. Uh, hopefully, Chuck's is a little harder. <laughs> uh, I did not come with a generic trivia question this week, so oh, no. I am gonna go to my fallback game of uh, name that supporter. It's a little twist Ooh. on Jake's. Um, uh, I probably should have went a little older just to try and get to Piper's extended knowledge, but I do have a standard legal supporter card that I'm hoping is going to stump people because I've never seen it played. Well, so, then it's not a good, it's not a good card then, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so uh, what I do is I just, I read what the supporter does and if you can name that supporter pretty much. So uh, with this version, I did not find a good trivia question this week. So the supporter uh, text reads, uh, you can only play this card. You can play this card only if you discard two other cards from your hand. Your opponent reveals their hand, put a trainer card you find there 
on the bottom of their deck. Oliana. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Even worse than mine, bud. <laughs> I, Even worse I, than I yours. I tested yeah. a lot of dumb con- control stuff with right. Oliana when it first came out. Uh, so you had some experience with uh, yeah. trying to make that card work. Yeah. That's I mean, I guess that there was a potential in the card. It just never seen, you know, any kind of success. Yeah, I mean, I was testing some stupid uh, Malamar stuff where I'd mm-hmm. go, I would guru the Oleana on top, then use the Thievel that has Marnie's effect, and then Oleana plus Max Jammer my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> That's some big See, brain stuff right there. That Oh, man. Uh, that yeah, was before, I, like, Palkia right. punished me for having a big bench. Right, yeah. Um, I like... I like the look of that card. I just could never seem to make it do anything. I just yeah. like, I always wanted to put it in the deck when I first started playing. Just be like, well, I'm tired of getting bossed for game. Let me just Oliana that, that thing to the bottom of the deck. Uh, <laughs> for sure. But uh, it never, that obviously never took off. So, um, for sure. But like I said, I've never seen that played in general. So, well, you know, lesson learned. Next time we have Piper on, we're going to have to step up our trivia game. Yeah, that's why uh, I said. And figure something out there. <laughs> I should have totally went back deeper into my supporter decks, but. Uh, I yeah, I'm, go- I'm going in expanded days next time. I, I have yeah. some pretty good card knowledge, I think. Right, um, right. Well, that's yeah. that makes it even better of a challenge if we go further back or, so, <laughs> or, or an ex- obscure card. <laughs> Random card what i have done and we what we do is i randomly generate a number uh from we've been doing lost origin because it's it's new that's set so there's 196 cards and we talk about the card that i randomly generate whether that thing is going to be playable or it's just kind of like a bulk card and we have I'm going to do two this week because we I've randomly generated card number 161, which we've already talked a little bit about because this is the stadium loss city. (laughs) So I think we might have mentioned whether this card is playable or not at all, but I will open the floor uh, to the two of you again uh, to give any more quick takes on whether you think that card's good or not. Play loss city. I think there's some funny stuff you can do with like Urshifu and Greninja where you go Lost City because it puts both of them in the Lost Zone that you kill, uh, which is very funny. Mm-hmm. That's, that's uh, a yeah. Cool idea. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good card, um, especially with one prizers here, especially with mm-hmm. um, with Radiance being so, yeah. um, you know, viable. Uh, so the card just needs to see play. Uh, also, Reggie's, if Reggie's still yep. are going to survive, um, especially if we see like Drew Kennett's uh, list with uh, w- with <laughs> one of the Reggie Steels, uh, yeah. I think it was Reggie Steel. You just you just uh, punish him for something like that. Um, even with like the two, like them having you know two, two of a Pokemon, if they have an unfortunate prize, plus you lost City one, um, they can just lose the game right then and there too. So, uh, good card. Yeah, I think if you're just looking for an extra stadium uh, and you can't really choose, it seems pretty good. You can just punish your opponent for playing like a greedy one of. I think it's necessary in Mew to deal with Drapion. Um, killing uh, the Radiant Greninja is never bad on the Lost Zone field. Right. Before we move on to the next one, um, just because you said that if, you, if, if we had, um, you know, if you don't have a stadium in mind to throw in, um, that kind of just made me think, what do you think are the top three stadiums currently right now in Standard? 
Um, I don't think I can decide between one and two. I know one and two are Paths of the Peak and Training Court. I think those two are very close. Um, I I think it's just going to be training court right now, just because of the uh, lost zone engine and not shutting it off a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Pokey stops probably number three. Um, Fair. It's very good in the lost zone box. I think training court's also very good in the lost zone box. I don't know. Uh, and like heavy item decks, Pokey stop just turns into a draw three a lot of times, which is just so powerful. Right. No, that, that, that's completely fair. Um, but, you know, there are some pretty good ones out there. So there's, um, yeah, I just kind of came yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chuck, uh, sorry to sidetrack you. No, uh, I did want to put out for any of our listeners that may not know exactly what Lost City does, because I didn't read it like I usually do. Um, whenever a Pokemon for the stadium, actually, what the stadium actually does is uh, whenever it's in play and whenever a Pokemon is knocked out, you put that Pokemon in the Lost Zone instead of the discard pile, uh, and all the other attached cards get discarded. So, uh, yeah, taking Pokemon out of the game for the the entirety of it. So, mm-hmm. all right, uh, I generated a second number because that one was kind of a simple one, and uh, this one actually might offer up a little bit of debate. So I got card number 82, which is Enamorous V, uh, the Psychic Pokemon, 210 HP with an ability and an attack. So uh, ability guardian of love, prevent all effects of your opponent's Pokemon's abilities done to each of your Pokemon that has any psychic energy attached except any enamorous V. And then the attack for a psychic and two colors blossom tail and does 100 damage. And you attach up to two basic energy cards from your discard pile to your bench Pokemon in any way you like. So I pose the question, is this something that's gonna end up being bulk? Or is it a playable card that you should um, put in it? I think everywhere except TCG Live, it is bulk. And only because TCG Live has this really funny glitch where if you go quick shooting Inteleon, Enamorous V, and Bronzong, and Aurora the Inteleon, you can move the, you can quick shooting, move the Aurora off the Inteleon, back onto the Inteleon, and then the ability activates, and you can quick shooting again. You can just infinitely quick shooting. It's <laughs> How do you really even funny... find this thing out? Like, what the heck? I saw a tweet on Twitter. It's a oh. there. You can also infinitely use Shadow Rider's ability. Oh um, my! <laughs> it's if All you right, keep Piper attaching the energy, it's just really funny. Piper with the the live glitches to get you <laughs> man Ws. knowledge of the game. I thought I had a pretty decent knowledge of the game, but my gosh, like uh, like she just keeps coming with heat with all of these. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I was gonna say I unless like she has some weird uh, uh, you know deck theory crafting with this uh, with this card, I I just don't see it. Um, it doesn't impress me at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, gonna I'm gonna double check. I'm gonna double check the ability because I think it's like just big parasol. And it's like, why not just parasol if you're active? Right. Uh, it, it's right? basic, yeah. It's parasol for uh Pokemon yeah. that have psychic energy attached and not the enamorous though. So yeah, parasol, you don't need energy attached, it's just to all your Pokemon. Um yep. like and sure it can get a little lost thing, but you don't need the enamorous in play or inactive or whatever. I don't know. There's just better things to do. You even have the Mr. Mime or the Espeon Vmax, which I just think are better. Yeah. And with you saying Parasol, I forgot to bring up a card earlier when we were talking about the new format, um, and that's Lost Vacuum. Do you think that card yes. is, 
I've I've enjoyed it. I I think it's a really good card. Uh, maybe not as good as Field Blower was back in the day, but w- what is your take on Lost Vacuum? I agree. It feels very good. Um, I like it in Mew because you can just put a battle VIP pass. You could just thin a battle pass. You're always just you're thinning two cards, which is always great with Mew. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason why playing four cram, even if you flip tails, you're thinning cards to genocide for more. Um, obviously very good for the lost in engines. You can get if you um play like heavier stadiums, like the three, four pokey stops, uh, a couple balloons, a couple belts, you can just get two law two cards in the lost zone uh without having to worry about like your like you can just double chorus lost vacuum and you have you can mirage gate against Empoleon, which is big. Right. Um I think it's very good in Eerie Ducks as well, just a way to get out of path or whatever. Um, for for the Mew, like for uh, getting out of path, like you said, um, do you think that that Lost Vacuum will just kind of push Pumpkaboo out? Um, I mean, I know there's still a viability with a with a Pokemon search finding that, um, but do you think Lost Vacuum just replaces it? Yeah, I think the big reason Pumpkaboo, like, obviously has the search outs, but the other thing is that like it's not playing another stadium, which can clog up your hand a lot of the times, um, whereas the Lost Vacuum thins your hand, which is great. I think Pumpkaboo, like, it just feels so awful to start mm-hmm. with. And you start at, like, one in every 10, 11 games or something. It's not that uncommon. It just feels so bad. I like, you're limited that. to draw five the entire game. Yeah. And then also, like, you know, most decks play multiple paths. So if, if you start it or even if you bump it, like, they could reapply it. And then yeah. you're, you're, you're just in a yeah. bad position. So for sure. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the fun section, I guess. And let's jump into the meta that was. And let's go talk to Turtwig and Ryan for a recap. Ladies and gentlemen, trainers and Pokemon alike, you're listening to (laughs) Turtwig Talks the Meta. This is your host, Ryan, otherwise known as a white for gaming. I am joined by none other than the best starter of all time, Turtwig. This week we have 15 tournaments, 2,483 unique deck plays, and 7,194 matches to cover this week. Now, let's hop into those top 8s. Starting off, Mew had 15 top 8s, Palkia had 17 top 8s, Giratina had 18 top 8s, The Lost Box had 21 top 8s, and Kyurem, beating out all other decks, had 23 top 8 placements this week. So, that's it for the top 8s. Let's have a look at our boring meta numbers. All these decks had over a 50% win rate this week. Those being Kyurem Palkia, Palkia Inteleon, Mew Genesect, and Arceus Inteleon. Notable changes to Lost Zone Box, Mew Genesect, and Arceus Inteleon. Uh, Lost Box was up in play percentage by 10.5%, and it skyrocketed from last week's play percentage being at 6%, all the way up to an almost 17% play percentage being the number one most played deck this week. Mew Genesect was up in win percentage by 3.5%, shooting it above its 50% win rate. And Arceus Inteleon was up in win percentage by 4.5%, shooting it well above 50% win rate to round off this week. So, I would like to thank our local group at Heroes Inc. Comics and Four Horsemen Comics and Games by shouting out all of our local players. Thanks again, everybody, for showing up, and I love all of you guys. So, let's talk about the decks that won this week. All these decks had a single win this week, those being Arceus Aggron, Arceus Pikachu, Arceus Giratina, and Kyurem. Lost Box, Mew, and Palkia all had two wins this week, and Giratina took home the gold with five wins to 
to round off this week. So, Turtwig worked hard on getting all this data ready just for you. So if you could let us know on Twitter at RY4Gaming your thoughts on this week's report. I hope you all enjoyed and had a wonderful time. Until next time, be safe and take care, Pokemon trainers. Thank you, Ryan, for a great meta report. And it is time to just... Let's get into the meat of this episode's conversation. Have at it. Peoria is this upcoming weekend. Uh, oh, it's going to be a long one for me, especially with the work situation I'm in. Uh, but a lot of people are, you know, trying to prep new format. Um, so I want to, you know, just kind of pick Piper's brain when it comes to um, just very high level, um, you know, meta or or preparation into regionals in general. Um, and then, you know, just kind of some things that, you know, you've done to see success during, uh, before, during, and after um, any given regionals. Um, so going into this, I, I, and we kind of talked about this last week a little bit, Chuck, but um, just opponent interactions. Um, there's sometimes there's some awkward positions um, with either judge calls, um, pace of play, um, this, that, or anything, um, how do you kind of deal or what, what's your take on just your interaction with, with your opponent? Uh, you know, obviously, um, preface this with, you know, it's a complete stranger and you don't know, you don't know them. Obviously, if you're playing a friend, this might be a little bit different. Um, but how do you kind of approach that kind of a thing? Yeah. Um, you don't really have to be afraid to call a judge. Um, I can't remember the last time, like I've called a judge for an event. I think I think I'm at the point where it's like, if they draw an extra card off Marty, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. Just I'll have them put it back because they're mm. going to draw at the end. They're going to draw like to start their turn anyway. Um, right. Like, I, I don't know. Um, it's just not as like, I'm there at the end of the day to have fun, uh, like getting a DPL for my opponent drawing an extra card. accident, not a huge deal. Um, slow playing is a, like a bit of a bigger, like it, it's a bit harder to like, decide because i i found especially playing uh entire box at baltimore i would play pretty fast but there are some turns where i would have to take like a while to like make right. sure i had all the pieces for this big turn of like ordinary rod quick ball cross switcher etc um so i i think if they're consistently consistently playing slower um you could ask them i think just don't don't like pressure them a bunch just be nice with your words don't like make it seem like you think they're slow playing just be like uh hey could you just like pick up place pick up your pace a little bit uh i don't want to tie or anything and if right. they like most of the time they'll just agree um i think if they keep playing slow you could just have like a judge come watch your game um i don't know especially when you're getting closer to time there's going to be judges around watching anyway right so, I mean, there, I guess there's two subsections of this question where it's in, in like, and I've I've seen it where it's pretty obvious that it's intentional slow play, especially like you said, yeah. at the end of the game. Um, and that I think is the more malicious one, you know, from your opponent. And um, would you call them out like right away um, in that situation? Um, or wh where do you kind of like pick your spots? Um, and when I say call out, I meant like to a judge, not like in. Yeah, I, I would just like, it's hard to tell, like, you can't really tell intent a lot of the time. Like, sometimes it's pretty obvious, but you usually just want to ask them one time uh, and then call the judge. You could always just say, if you, like, keep it up, um, you're going to call a judge. Uh, obviously, that's, like, a bit harsher, but that's going to, like, 
likely get them to pick up their pace a little bit. Right. Um, I think the big thing is just don't be afraid to call a judge. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it's an awkward thing. And that's something that I definitely need to work on um, is, is being able to call one. I always feel a little awkward. Um, but the, I guess the second portion of that is, is not the intentional slow play, but when you're, when you're playing against a newer player or somebody that, you know, maybe doesn't have like the same, you know, thought process or, you know, the speed of their thought process that are just blatantly, you know, they're just thinking things out a little longer than you would like. Um, especially it's very obvious in that, like that first turn of, of match one. Um, how do you kind of go about that? Cause I, I feel like that one's a little bit more rough um, to maybe call a judge or, or kind of go yeah. across that. I, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely, it's kind of hard because you don't want to like make it seem like they're cheating because they're most likely not if they're a newer player. Mm-hmm. I think you just have to be like nice with your wording. Uh, don't be like harsh. I think if you know they're a newer player, uh, just like remind them like twice maybe instead of just the one time. Right. And then the second time be like, and just be like, it's not a huge deal right now, but if you could just pick up your pace a little bit just so uh, we're not, likely to tie or anything right and would you do that really early on if it was a uh, pretty obvious that it's that situation um i guess it depends if it's a bad matchup uh i probably wouldn't say anything i'd be happy if i could steal a game and get a tie mm-hmm. um if it's a good matchup i would want them to uh play a bit faster That's just so they don't too. steal a game and get a tie right i've always kind of wondered that myself because like sometimes as a a quicker player like if you you win that first matchup and you know they're just naturally a slower player that's advantageous but if like if you get an unlucky loss yeah or you brick your start like for my myself uh in one of my games i had a a really bricky start and it was very obvious i was gonna lose and i scooped after my uh the start of my second turn it was already like eight minutes in um and we never even like we barely finished game two after it it was just kind of a bad situation but like if you if i win that first matchup um then it's just like you're kind of in a a good spot so i guess there is some gamemanship there whenever you do asks yeah um yeah i don't know like yeah it's it's kind of like it's really awkward to like navigate that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. like when to call a judge and whatnot because it a lot of times it does just end up being like what the situation is um I think the big thing is just like monitor your pace of play. Like if everyone just monitors their own pace of play, make sure they're not slow playing and right. they play at a faster pace. Like, I don't know. Cause I, I haven't had like a natural tie in a while. Um, I didn't tie a single game at Baltimore. There we go. Uh, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, uh, this is something that you got to work out or watch out for, but I think you said it best is just monitor your own pace of play and kind of just kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to um, deck selection. I mean, I that I think a lot of success in any kind of regionals or any tournament really is you, you know your deck selection and reading the meta and your preparation there. So, what are some things that you do, you know, going into any given tournament that um, might sway you one way or another, or another to to a deck? Um. So. One thing I like to always do is just take like the previous decks BDIF and start with that, or the previous formats BDIF and just start with that. Um, if I test it and know what I'm doing with it, mm-hmm. it's always just a safe play. 
um, because it's just super powerful anyway. People uh, like it's going, especially going into a new format. It's just nice to have something that you is like old and comfortable. Right. Um, and then like once we kind of just have a nice solid backup, we start testing the new stuff and like we start with consistent lists and then start to get crazier and crazier with the lists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like kind of go from there on what we expect the meta to be like. Um, online tournaments obviously aren't a, like the best source of info. You have to take them with a grain of salt. However, right. when you see like these 400, 600 people online tournaments, uh, like in the last week, uh, you, you do want to respect them a little bit because uh, you're going to see some of that reflected in the tournament itself. Yeah, I agree. And, and I guess, do you feel that the the closed deck um, going into you know, all the, the IRL play, um, you know, tournaments um, changes the meta a little bit more dr- uh, drastically than the online one do because like there's no like hidden information or anything like that? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think a huge example of this is uh, Finnegan Lynch's second place Salt Lake. Like he mm-hmm. played no boss's orders, no quick shooting, but nobody knew that because his list was closed. Like in an online tournament, I don't think he would have done as well because people right. would have just played around the fact, oh, there's no boss's orders. Uh, oh, there's no quick shooting in Teleon. He can't kill this or something like that. Right, right. And, and even going to Drew Bennett's list for the Regents, yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, something sure. like that. Like <laughs> I think he even said, like, you just take that out. I just kind of yeah. lose. Um, if people figure it out, yeah, it's just right. rough. So, I mean... Going into like closed deck tournaments, there's a lot of um, you know leeway for deck creativity, and I know you kind of said that you like uh, you you know you test some of the new stuff after you have your backup. But how deep into the rabbit hole do you go with this crazy stuff, and and how does that like head like is the, those choices uh, go? Is it is it like head simulations uh, where you expect the meta, or, in um, or I guess how do you find some of these techs, especially in an early meta? Um, that you might feel that everybody's going and and how accurate do you think, I guess um, your testing has turned out from time to time? Have you like completely whiffed on like thinking, Oh, somebody's going to bring this new tech um, to counter this, this or this, and then it just didn't work out. Or is it more time than not, you know, you trust your gut and it works out. Um, I think I'm pretty good at guessing around like 10 rounds of what I'm going to play because usually those last like three, four five rounds that I'm guessing are usually just going to be like, um, minute stuff anyway um it's usually just like the big ones like the Palkis, muse arceuses that i'm pretty good at guessing the numbers of like i was able to do that naic worlds and baltimore mm. pretty effectively um but i think the big thing is we'll go through the matchups test them and then see like where the weaknesses are and then we'll like if it's like a general weakness like your team is losing to marnie we'll buff up consistency or like put something in so that we can deal with marnie or if mm. it's something more like we're losing to Mew, we're gonna like put in a drapey on or something else or like path roxanne or marnie from you okay so it's, it's, it seems like a lot of testing and honesty with yourself and your group of yeah. what, is, what is working what is not um so that's that's really good. yeah we try really good we try to play with like we we don't take mulligans uh we try to just play like optimal mm-hmm. uh hands like we take back all the time uh we'll like redraw hands at the start if it's just a dead hand yeah, uh, like we'll keep note of dead hands occurring, but it's just not worth to like play the dead hand out uh, a right. lot of times. And, especially and, it's like, and in and in any kind of general testing, how how deep into the game do you normally go? Because I I've I've seen people who are like, oh, you just got to play it out, 
Um, but it, for me, I feel like, I guess in testing, like the first two to three turns are the most important for like setup and consistency and what it does. Um, and then like everything else beyond that is kind of just like instinct kind of takes over, at least in my eyes, unless like you disagree with that kind of statement. Uh, so if you want to test like just the general consistency of the deck, we'll just solitaire, um, mm -hmm. see how well it like sets up or like how often we can get 10 cards in the lost zone turn two, for example. Right. Um, when we want to test specific matchups, we're going to like try to play it out. Obviously we'll have like early concessions when stuff goes wrong. Right. Um, but a lot of times we're playing like the Roxanne, Thornton comeback cards, etc. That is very so true. it's pretty important to play till the end game to see that it, even if you get like Marty to Roxanne, can you still pull that off? Right. I mean, that's a valid point. There are, especially now in, in the in the meta right now, there is a lot of late game cards that kind of help you. So yeah. uh, valid point, hundred percent. <clears throat> All right. For in, in we kind of already talked about that where you're you're talking or you're you're preparing by playing against some of the big um you know matchups the meta you, you know the big meta matchups um so that's it for the preparation i guess um so in tournament um i guess for a seasoned player like yourself um what are some tricks or some stuff that you do i guess to have like good mental toughness because i know um some tournaments go smoothly, some some do not. Yeah. But like, if you're not doing well, especially early, are any, are there any things? Are there is there anything that you do to kind of try to help yourself bounce back and you know um, find success after you know maybe a rough start? Yeah. So uh, I would say that like the day before a tournament, I absolutely despise testing. It just like I tend to draw. If I draw poorly a couple games in a row, then I just like get in a super bad mindset about the deck whereas I just like to be in a really good mindset going into the tournament right um so I found that I've I've found that like if I test the day before I tend to do a lot worse the next day than if I were to not test the day before um and another thing is like knowing yourself like I have friends who don't eat breakfast the day of mm -hmm. um but I always have breakfast uh because like I know I play worse on an empty stomach like if you're hungry get something to eat bring snacks with you uh, because that definitely can affect many people. Oh, for sure. I, I, I'm i all about the, um, having food in my stomach. Um, and it has definitely caused uh, issues late yeah. late tournaments for me. Um, but I want to go back to what you just said there, where um, don't test the day before. Because Chuck and I are relatively newer. We've been in the game. We're COVID, like start of COVID kind of players. Um, so um, there wasn't a lot of like, IRL tournaments that we've got to play um, until semi recently with the with opening up, but I know I've fallen in the trap uh, multiple times testing the day before, and then exactly what you said, um, getting in that bad mental state, um, and then like switching decks up and and not doing that. So um, I just really that that hit home for me because I think I'm going to start doing what you said um, and, and get out of my headspace because you got to trust yourself. I mean overall and and yeah. your preparation before you know should have been there already if you if you're le legitimately trying to have success so um questioning yourself last minute um sounds easy enough to try to not to do but um i think that's a huge tip to stop yourself or at, le at least limit yourself beforehand for sure i like to just have my deck picked like three to four days in advance Mm -hmm. maybe play a couple more games with it just make sure i'm feeling good with like sequencing and playing and stuff 
And then like the day before, if I play anything, I'm just going to be playing fun board games with friends and having a fun time. Uh, like I've done that at NAIC and whatnot. All the right. good finishes I've had this year, I knew I was playing the deck like a week, at least a week in advance. But right. when I bubbled points, that's 128 points at Salt Lake. I had no idea what I was playing. I felt super bad about my play. Didn't test a whole lot. Uh, and Worlds, which I bubbled 32. Um, I was still doubting my deck to the, like, because I started seeing Jolteon doing well. And I started just doubting right. myself, like, way too much, uh, which I just shouldn't have done. Right. Um, so you say, in general, do you pick a, like, when you, when everything's going right, in general, do you pick a deck at least a week ahead of time? Or... Where does that I come like from? Like, I think I knew I was going to play Ark Molly to UIC, I think, like, a couple days after Salt Lake. Uh, I knew I was going to play to Indy because I just didn't have time to test for Indy. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to play Arc Intel to NAIC about, like, a week in advance. Uh, it was just at that point, like, I hadn't had a whole lot of time to test. So at that point, it was just, like, fixing up the list and learning the deck. Right. Uh, and then Baltimore, I knew, I think this, saturday or something before uh, i even okay. said it on the lake of rage podcast that mm. it was one of my top choices yeah yeah well there's something about lake of rage podcast right before original, <laughs> right <laughs> now yeah. natalie miller uh with ocic and then uh, you with baltimore yeah ah, that's what the thing is we just need to go on lake of rage <laughs> <laughs> yeah very awesome. Well, I, I mean, mean, I think. Oh, well, sorry, Chuck. Go I was just, I was gonna say, I think that is uh, sound advice because I did find myself doing a little bit better having a deck choice planned in way ahead of time and just, uh, you know, not thinking the the whole thing of not testing the day before is just keeping your mind like if you're if you're happy with it already, mm -hmm. like don't you don't go too in depth of testing to get yourself because even if you play it a few times you're gonna get bad hands or something just something that's like variant and then you just might get yourself down on it where it's better to just like like piper said to go in with the the right mindset on right. that day right and a little side tangent on that kind of uh going again into the 1k i was i was testing lost box um and then i you know for like the week before and the night before i tested a little bit and it it was bricking i had like five hands where i just started with nothing and it just didn't do well so i was t very much doubting myself and then i almost went to the kiram without even actually ever playing the deck um and then just did a couple opening hand like solitaire like you said um and like three in a row i'm like nope i'm going back to the lost box i'm, I'm changing my deck i literally had my the uh, paper selection I, I already gave the kiram deck to um to the judge uh steve and I'm like, no, nope, I'm changing my life. like well, a minute before. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm so glad I did because I, I kind of went back uh, trying to get out of my head. So um, I guess that that mental preparation beforehand is is key. Trust yourself and then just kind of go from there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about going to do it. Unless any of you guys have any other hot takes or anything like that before we end. I I have a I have a couple quick questions that are kind of sure. just like they didn't really fit. Uh, in anywhere else we were talking but I mean this one kind of does but uh, I was we've talked about a lot of different things that are new I didn't know if there's anything that was piquing your interest the most currently um, that you find that you like the most like I don't know if it's just like you know I really enjoy playing the lost box so that's piquing my interest or if there's anything like that going on for you at the moment Piper uh 
No spoilers. I, I guess I kind of have a weird one. Arkansas has been testing pretty well against Giratina. Um, Marty Path has been very good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about Arc Intel too, um, and potentially Sharon's care, especially yeah. against a lot of these one prizers. Um, so there, there might be some viability there, especially, um, you know, if sure. Tina, yeah. So it did pretty well in the uh, Limitless tournament the other day. Oh, that was yesterday. Oh my gosh. Oh geez, <laughs> I, I've been so out of the loop with work. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, that was a good question, Chuck. Um, uh, just another kind of another one. Um, I know Peoria is coming up this weekend. Uh, we had Baltimore. Um, but is there with your hot start? I mean, I don't know. Do you have more regional? I'm sure you had more regionals planned. But uh, uh, is Peoria in your future? Anything else coming up in your future? Like, um, do you, did you have an extensive regional trip like uh, planned out to go to a bunch or? Uh, I think I'm going to like six or seven. Uh, I'm going to Peoria because we're able to drive. It's like six and a half, seven hours, which is just not that bad, right. considering how bad the airport sounds to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I think my next event's Toronto, because uh, I can like get a school visit in there too, because I'm looking at the university. Nice. Um, right. and there's I just love Toronto too. Nice. Um, I think I'm hitting San Diego because we found good flights there. And I'm, I'm hitting a lot of the East Coast ones because uh, right. all the flights are like 200 or less, which is very good. That's cool. Um, I'll be at Fort Wayne because that's a drive and hits my spring break. Uh, and Milwaukee because that is also a drive. Right. Yeah, it seems like you're going to be a uh, I'm. I'm going to most of these East Coast ones as well. I'm going to yeah. try to do San Diego. I don't know if that's going to work with uh, with work and family life, uh, but definitely Peoria, Toronto, uh, and what was the other one? The, the last one there. Um, uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee. Uh, I'll probably be there. So, yeah. Chuck, how about you? Are you, are you, what is your plans for regional? Um, right now, I'm trying to find the ability to get to Toronto, hopefully. Um, I'll drive you up, man. That's not that uh, far of a drive from us. Fort Wayne and West and and uh, Milwaukee are my next for sure's, but they just seem so far away, and I want to go to another one. Uh, Peoria just doesn't seem in the cards for me at the moment. Um, see if I can. I don't. It's not sold out yet, is it? Uh, Peoria. They said they said they had a couple spots left last yeah. I saw. Better uh, just sign up, but that the problem is I can't like the I can't get off Friday. So getting um, there is well, going to be a trouble. I can't help you with that one. Yeah, uh, that's the that was the seal in the deal because I tried to see if I could do that, but yeah. uh, uh, it's too far of a drive to just go straight uh, <laughs> and then for play me and play. Um, unless I really just don't want to do good, and then I'm just kind of <laughs> going to the regional, right. so it's kind of right. silly. Yeah. Um, but my uh, last kind of quick question, just because we've talked about how you've done well in juniors, uh, you went through seniors, and now you're, you're still winning in masters. I just kind of wanted to know how is masters, how are the three div- divisions different? Because I've always been a master player. I didn't get to age up in three divisions. So is, is masters terribly different of an experience for you coming from? seniors and, and junior success 
Yeah, so for me, juniors and seniors were very different, although nowadays I think they're very similar because when I was a junior, I aged up right when Pokemon went into the cash era. So uh, I didn't experience juniors with cash, which just sounds horrible. Like being eight years old, traveling around the world, getting stipends. Like it sounds nice, but as an eight-year-old, that sounds like like 16-hour flights to Melbourne. I don't think I could have done those. Right. I was younger, <laughs> like that's just horrible. Um, I was luckily able to do it a bit in seniors and it was still not great. Like I think both flights or both times after um, OCIC, even if I did well, I still was just sick immediately after. Um, but I do think the big thing between seniors and masters, seniors, oddly enough, feels more difficult because in a field of like 70 to 100 seniors, uh, you're going to have like all of the top 16 players there. Mm -hmm. And once you go like once you get past the third or fourth round, you're even if, if you don't hit them in the first three rounds, you're just only going to hit top players from there on out most of the time. Like yeah. all the top cuts are usually like six to seven top 16 players. And it's just extremely stacked. Whereas right. Masters, um, there's a lot more leeway. Uh, you can go 6-2-1 day one, whereas uh, juniors and seniors, you have to go X-1-1 or X-0-2. Um, so you're able to get that second loss, which is huge, and a tie. Right. And you can still make cut. Also, in a field of 1,000 players, you probably have, like, uh, I, I think my best estimate is probably, like, 40 to 50 like good players then you then like that I think as long as you're just like above average you, you're probably I don't know like I feel like um for seniors aging up if you're above average you're probably like most of the time if you're just playing a good deck you can outplay a lot of the time right um mm -hmm. I, I just I don't know I feel like you're hitting less top players and masters oh, for sure. yeah, seniors you, which just yeah makes, you get that you get that mid to late uh swiss rounds and you still have a yeah. you know, high high probability to hit scrubs like uh chuck and i um, yeah. we're not nowhere near not yet at least hopefully soon um but uh, i mean there that's there's a lot of validity to yeah. that statement so no i i i partly asked this question because um i hit reagan in my <laughs> baltimore run and yeah, but he mopped the floor with me. So like I can see that quality of player mm -hmm. in seniors aging up. Like yeah, like so that's why I wanted to know how like if it was like you said it was kind of like once you like get out of round one or two like it's really really competitive in a senior environment rather than masters you have more rounds of leeway of sure. getting people that are still perfecting their game like myself. Um, so. Uh, just watching like Reagan school me in a match uh, <laughs> makes me see that. I just was curious on your take on in in be that yeah. you're on the other side of that coin for me. So <laughs> mm -hmm. just taking advantage of all us uh, noobs out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could. It's just he was thinking on a level that I wasn't thinking. Yeah. I could. I see it now that I've played against. Yeah, it. Like, yeah. Um, because he was just denying prize math for me. Like, and he was thinking about what I'm going to do back before I, what, like he or was playing did. my turns for, for me. Sure. So right, right. like that, I saw that level of play from him. So right. um, now it's more things I have to think about. And I see that I can think about when playing that matchup. Chuck, we're not there yet, but we will get there. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> they, they still, they're younger, 
but they they have you know 10, 10 plus <laughs> years on us in the game so we'll, we'll and i know like that's i know he probably has and piper has way more experience in the game for me so i know that there's a lot of players out there that are going to school me in thoughts that i haven't thought to think of right like thought out so i'm not above like seeing a, a, a much younger player school me in the game of Pokemon. It's just, uh, I was amazed by it actually. Just, I was just like literally watching Regan take his turns and it'd be my turn. And like the last turn I was like, yeah, uh, you made this. So I don't have a chance in, in, in any way of beating. That's him. what so top players good. do my friend. That's what yeah. top players do. <laughs> yeah. I do think that seniors and juniors don't get like as much respect as they should get because a lot of the top juniors can definitely beat like the masters pretty consistently. Um, mm-hmm. I they just don't get any coverage is the issue compared to masters. Like right. you only see juniors and seniors at uh, their finals at I season worlds. You don't see them like anywhere else. Right. And and I forget his name and I I feel bad at the moment. But uh, at the one K again, I was playing against uh, a junior that um, got top eight there. Uh, he was playing. He was playing against uh, or he was playing a. Mewtwo stall deck, Bill Tank. Um, and we ended up tying because we, we split, but like he was one of my tougher opponents all day. Like just because mm-hmm. there's, he's been in the game for a long time. Like he played it masterfully. So um, yeah, but like you said, like I, I think they don't get as much credit as they deserve. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to give him credit. Well, Greg exactly. kicked my butt wholeheartedly. <laughs> and Piper probably can easily kick my butt. Uh, yeah, not probably. It will happen. But <laughs> with that being said, uh, before uh, we're going to wrap it up here, but before we uh, let you go, um, this is your time for shout outs, plugs, anything like that uh, that you want to close the cast out. Yeah. So um, my Twitter is at Piper Lapine, just my name, no spaces, no caps. Uh, I want to shout out my parents for taking me to events, uh, my friends for testing. Um, especially Mikey, who keeps bullying me for not shouting him out. Um, and also game related for being a super awesome local game store. Right. Nice. Well, very cool. Right. Well, thank you again for coming on. That was a lot of fun. I think a lot of, I learned a lot from you. Um, and definitely going to, you know, watch a lot of your games uh, going on stream going forward because I know there's a <laughs> lot to learn from you. Um, you know, and hopefully get myself to the level you're at uh, currently. So uh, again, thank you. And thank you to everybody listening uh, to the end. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again for listening to the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. Uh, As always, if you could do us and future listeners a favor and leave us a like, a rating, or a review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is, it goes a long way to helping out the pod. Plus, Jake, where can you reach us directly? Yeah, you can get me at Panux1 on Twitter, as well as Chuck at WatchWimsy and Ryan at ry for gaming You can also reach us on Twitter for the whole Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast at PitPokeyPod. Thanks again, guys and gals. We will see you all next time. See you later. <laughs>